You're listening to the Lompoc Foursquare Church Podcast. Pastor, as he said, we've been friends for many, many years. He's just one of the nicest white people I know. And, uh, <laughs> and I actually come down just to make sure that he's clothed and in his right mind. <laughs> I'm happy to report to you that he was clothed. Uh, <laughs> But uh, it's just good to be here. Thank you for supporting us, and uh, Bernie has been supporting me, and I have been watching over and supporting him as he does me. So it's good for that accountability. We just check on each other from time to time. And when you know that you have friends like that, uh, there's a, some, some kind of a, a bolstering, a buoying. Even when you're sinking, there's a buoying that takes place. And that's called the fellowship of the saints. Isn't that great? So that's the body of Christ. And this church is a wonderful, wonderful example of that. Well, today... I want to talk to you about how to think like God thinks. How many of you would like to think more like God thinks? Yeah. And uh, so we're going to complete the series called The God I Wish You Knew, and it's just great to hitchhike off of that as we talk about how to think like God thinks. But before I do that, let me tell you a fun story about someone who thinks a little differently. But uh, this astute businessman was walking down the street, and he's accosted by this homeless man. And it wasn't just any normal homeless man. I mean, this guy's hair was wild out here. He looked like the wild man of Borneo, and he had a bunch of missing teeth, and, and he was shabby as can be, and, and uh, the pungent odor was uh, relevant and, I mean, uh, very, very noticeable. And, and, but he stopped this man, and he said, hey, he said, you got anything to spare, like five or ten bucks? And the guy was just a good Christian man. He said, well, great, yeah, but, but, he says, if I give you some money, are you going to spend it on beer or food? He says, oh, man, food, because I, I gave up drinking 10 years ago. The businessman goes, okay, uh, what about uh, if I gave you more, would you spend it on a place to sleep tonight or on golf? The guy goes, golf? I haven't golfed in 25 years. He said, then you must come to my house, and you're going to have dinner with my wife and me, a wonderful dinner, sit at the table with my wife and myself, and enjoy a dinner that she cooks because she's a good cook. And this homeless man thought, wow, this is the nicest man I have ever met. And then he paused, and he said, now, wait a minute. Isn't your wife going to be furious for you doing something like this? He said, no, it'll be just fine because it's really important for me to know that my wife knows what happens to a man when he gives up drinking and golf. (laughs) I like the way he thinks. It's not right, but I like the way he thinks. Well, we want to talk about how to think more like God thinks. But here's the kicker. The first is you got to start to see what God sees. Let's take a look at the scripture. It's Matthew 6, 22, and we're going to read it together. Would you read it? Go. The lamp of the body is the eye. And if your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, then your whole body will be filled with darkness. Then if that light that is in you is darkness... How great shall that darkness... Now, when he talks about the lamp of your body is your eye, he's not talking about your eyeball. That light is in you is darkness. How great shall that darkness be? Well, oh, you mean something can go through the eye and it's still dark? Yeah, it could be light or dark. Well, what are you talking about? You see, uh, you don't really see with your eye. 
You see with your brain. Your eye is an ocular lens that sends an image through the optic nerve to the occipital part of the brain, your lobe of your brain, which is in the back, and all it does is archive the data that you're viewing or the lens is viewing. It is your mind, not your brain, your mind, which you control, that defines what you see as good or bad, dangerous or friendly. Your mind is different. For example, you can color anything bright or dark. For example, someone sees a rock cliff and someone says, whoo, that's dangerous if someone falls off of that. But if you're a rock climber, you go, wow, that's where I'm going to be this weekend. Isn't that right? Is it your occipital nerve that defined it? No, it's your mind that defines it. You can choose however you define something. You can see it good or bad, an adventure or an ordeal. Someone sees waves in the ocean crashing. Ah, that's so dangerous. A surfer goes, woohoo! It's not your brain, it's your mind. And the Bible's going to talk about renewing the spirit of your mind, not your brain. And in order for you to kind of catch that difference and that distinction, I'm going to do just a little object lesson for you. So I brought this here, but, be, but this is kind of like your brain, all right? So that's like my brain right here. But, but for example, let me go back just a step. Your mind archives stuff. I mean, your brain archives stuff. Your mind defines it. For example, worry. Worry is a misuse of your mind. You, ha- you see something, your mind says, this is really crazy. I don't know what I'm going to do. And it causes fear. Is it you got to change your brain? No. Change the circumstance? No. Change your mind. In fact, here's another fun story about worry. There's a guy that was desperately looking for a job. And he finally sees an opening in the classified that says, job opening, Joe's Appliance Store, executive position, apply in person. So he jumps in his car, drives down there, finds this little humble appliance shop tucked away in this industrial section. So he walks in, there's just a pile of appliances needing repair, and a man, old elderly man, working on a toaster, kind of shaky. And he says, excuse me, sir, uh, are you Joe? And the guy says, stammers, yes. He said, well, I'm here to apply for the job. Can you start tomorrow? Yes, I can. At 8 o'clock? Yes, I can. You're hired. He said, whoa, that was fast. He said, what's my job description? He said, you have to worry for me. He said, worry? That's it? I just got to worry for you? Yes. He said, wonderful, I'll take the job. He says, how much does it pay? He said, 100000 a year. He goes, whoa, you're, I'm your man, I'm your man. He said, can you come tomorrow at 8? Yep. He said, good, see you then. And he's walking out and he turns around and he says, excuse me, um, you know, I mean, you're a nice guy and all, and I see this shop, it's not like a big corporation or anything, and you're wanting to pay me $100,000, uh, can you afford that? And the old man says, that's your first worry. <laughs> <laughs>
worry is the result or the consequence of a mind seeing something poorly. So let's go back to this. Let's say this is your brain, all right? All right. So it's a little small brain. Let me. This is uh, Wayne's brain. We got to get to Bernie's brain. Okay. So here's your brain. His is bigger than that. Hold on just a second. Okay. So here's your brain like this. Now, what color is this balloon, a brain? White. All right. Now, if you turn the lights down here, I've got a little light in the back. Now, what color is his brain now? Red. All right. What color is it now? Green. Change its mind. All right. What color is it now? Blue. Yeah, good. So the brain stays the same, but the mind can change. And so it affects the way the brain sees things. Do you get that? The brain's the same. It's white. But the mind changes the color of it. And so now, what color is the brain now? Like here. Purple. Yeah, whatever. Blue. But what's this one? No, that's a woman's brain. She changes her mind all the time. <laughs> I'm just kidding. And this is how you lose your mind. Yeah, there you go. All right. So, so what I'm saying is this. Sometimes we pray, God change the circumstances. Or that's just the way my brain works. Or God is saying, we need to renew the spirit of our brain. No, the renew the spirit of our... Yeah, see, often you think about it. Our prayers are, change the situation. Well, that's just the way I am. God made me that way. Now, it all comes back to, we, you and I, must renew the spirit of our mind. The reason is is because our minds have been trained to see things the way the world wants us to see them. You read the newspaper, you see news, fake news, true news, you get of Twitter, Snapchat, you get Facebook. It's basically what everybody wants you to see and everybody's presenting. Pretty soon we start to see things that way and because the vulnerability of the human psyche is that we want everyone to like us, in fact, we did a research recently with students, and 69% of the students said their greatest fear is being rejected by people. So everyone's wanting to be liked by people, and they don't want to be rejected, and yet we're self-obsessed in our society. It's all about me, right? Selfies. Oh, and, and so now there's, there's apps that make you look better with makeup on. And we're posting all of that. It's like we're living in this altered universe. And so we're losing reality. But it's accepted, actually normalized now, because that's the way the world thinks. But the Scripture says be careful because you'll start to see the things of God through the wrong mindset. And you have to renew the spirit of your mind. For example, read this here with me, would you? What does this say? God is... Nowhere. But if you think about it, it could say God is now here. But our first glance, because our minds have been wired that way, the first thing you see is God is what? Nowhere. But God is saying, I want you to renew the spirit of your mind. Let's read this next one here, the scripture. Would you read it with me as it comes up? Go. 
Do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the, uh, not the renewing of your brain, the renewing of your, the light behind. Remember Matthew 6, the lamp of your body is your eye. If your eye is dark, your whole body will be affected. If it's light, it'll be affected. If it's dark, it's going to be a great darkness. So you got to renew the spirit of your mind. Now read that again, starting from the beginning. Go. And do not be conformed to this world, because that's what we are getting trained by. Go. But be transformed by the renewing. Stop for a second. How are we going to be transformed? By the renewing of our minds. You know that a lot of us come to Christ and we're saved, but we have an old self or an old mind set. And we wonder why people don't like us, churches are no good, that person can't be trusted. It's because we haven't taken the time to renew the spirit of our mind. So all we do is pray for different circumstances, different people, change them, change my roommate, change this, change my wife. She prays, change my husband. And, uh, and yet all of us need to renew the spirit of our Minds, continue. Start where, but be transformed. Go. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Why? So that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable. And because you won't know what is good and acceptable and perfect until your mind starts to get renewed. Otherwise, you'll have your old self carried into the new kingdom. And let's read what it says on this next scripture, and you'll see what I mean. Go. Lay aside the old self and be in the spirit of your mind and put on the new self, which is in the likeness of God. Ah, so how do you become like God? You set aside the old way of thinking, renew the spirit of your mind, and you'll have a new lease on life. One of the things we don't do well is to renew the spirit of our minds. In other words, change your mind. We can see things darker. You can see it light. You can see it fearful. You can see it promising. You can see it adventurous. You can see it as an ordeal. It's just the way you think through that and use your mind. And God wants us to have the mind of Christ. How often he says, put on the mind of Christ. So if we want to think like God, we have to see things like God sees them. But what do we have to do? It's your choice to renew your mind. You change the light, not God. God won't renew your mind. You must because it requires your choice. You choose. I was uh, going to the airport recently, and my wife was taking me, and a taxi cab driver drove in front of us, and she just immediately said, because it was early in the morning, she said, man, I would never want to be a taxi cab driver. You don't know who will get in. And I said, no, I'd love that, because, man, you'd meet all kinds of people. Man, that'd be cool. And she laughed. She said, no way. I said, honey, isn't it just the same taxi? It's the way you look at it. And, and I said, honey, a lot of times you see things at, as the worst-case scenario. And then what's happening is you're allowing fear to drive your life rather than faith or adventure or godly imagination. So then you'll become someone in this little cocoon all the time. And she said, oh, yeah, I know. I repent. And I said, oh. I said that's a very theological answer. Very astute, honey. 
She said, well, what are you talking about? I said, did you know that the word repentance is the Greek word metanoia, which is meta is the Greek for change, and nuos is your mind. Did you know that to repent is just change your mind, change the way you look at it, and agree with God's way of looking at it? Once you make that choice, repentance has taken place. They are not just words. They're actually a switch in seeing things differently. So that's very important. For example, uh, I tell people, because of the way you think, it's never too late to have a happy childhood. <laughs> never too late. They say, well, what are you talking about? So, well, you know, for example, I was raised in a pretty tough na uh, neighborhood and family. I was in a very tough, it was a housing where I grew up in Hawaii, very tough. And uh, uh, everybody had three cars and none of them ran. And uh, they're all up on blocks. My mother and father got a very harsh divorce when I was young, about five years old. And the last remembrance of my dad and mom mar married was I was hanging on to my mom pleading with my dad to stop hitting her. They split. My dad was in the army. He went on tour and got remarried, had a few kids. My mom was a waitress at a local restaurant and couldn't afford to take care of four kids. So actually, the house that we lived in, she rented it out because we couldn't even make payments, mortgage payments. We lived in the garage of our uncle so she could rent that house out. And so that, no running, uh, no bathroom, we had to go outside, and it was a very, very tough upbringing to the point where my mom said, I can't take care of you anymore, had us switch over to our dad. Our dad and his wife had another family, and so my stepmom was just as strict. My dad was extremely strict. Twice my brother was sent to the hospital because of beatings, and then I wouldn't go to PE because of the red stripes on my back and my legs, and so I was embarrassed to change into my PE clothes. And it was a horrible time until 13 years old, I was handed a suitcase and I was sent 250 miles away to a boarding, Catholic boarding school. Got on a Greyhound bus, drove to San Francisco and didn't have any place to stay. It was uh, about 48 hours before the next bus would come. I sat in that uh, uh, terminal and then was molested by a person and then horrified, then got up back on the bus, went to this school, got kicked out of the school, went deep into drugs, rock and roll. But at 19 years old, I got saved. God miraculously saved me. I went into the ministry, and later, years later, someone said to me, couldn't you, if you could, wouldn't you change the way you grew up? And at first, I wanted to say, absolutely. But then I paused, and I said, you know, I don't think so. And the lady said, what are you talking about? I said, no. She said, why? I said, you see, God saw my future way over here, that I would be in a ministry that would require everything I had. I would be, I have four threats on my life. I'd sued three times. And uh, all the splits and troubles and struggles, etc., And all of the stuff, he, he needed to prepare me for that because he saw my future. And he wanted me to succeed. So back here, he said, I've got to train you for what my calling is on your life. And if I could have you gain the strength and the fortitude and the endurance and the perseverance necessary uh, at Harvard, I would have sent you to Harvard. If you could have gotten that at Princeton, I would have sent you to Princeton. But the only way 
you're going to be able to come through that because I've got to put you through this. And if you'll think right about it, it will prepare you and give you compassion. If you think wrong, it'll mess you up. But it's your mind, not the circumstances. It's how you perceive it. And if you'll do it right, you'll have everything you need for what I've called you to do. God is sovereign, and he loves me more than I'll ever know, but he also knows my future, and he's going to help me to be equipped for it. So I have to think the way God thinks. You get that? Well, how do I do that? You need to renew the spirit of your mind again and again. Because, see, suffering will change you, but not necessarily for the better. You have to choose So I look back now and I say, no, I thank God for all the stuff he's taken me through. Was it easy? Nope, not at all. Nope. So today I want to give you two considerations on how to renew the spirit of your mind. Are you ready? All right. There are two considerations, and there's a whole bunch more that we can talk about, but we don't have a ton of time here. So I'm just going to give you two of the ways to renew your mind. And if you want to know more, you have to enroll in our college and take my class. So... So I teach up there, poor freshmen. But, uh, but uh, let me give you two considerations, and here they are. Would you write them down? Number one, consider God's word. Consider God's word. And what I'm about to say to you is going to mess you up, so listen very carefully, but listen all the way through. I, I, success does not come from what you do occasionally. It comes from what you do daily. And if you will read the word of God daily, it will change your life. But you need to read it with, I'm going to, here it is, it's going to sound strange, listen carefully. You need to read the Bible with the grain, not against the grain. Because you can look at stuff and go, why is God such, so paranoid? Why is he killing so many people? Well, this doesn't match this. It's like, shut up. Just be a learner. Be a student. The God who created the universe, all of a sudden, you're so much smarter. Just read with the grain. Don't read against the grain. You're not there yet. Did you know that the word disciple is a Greek word, mathetes? And you know what mathetes means? If you're a disciple of Christ, mathetes means learner. Follow this. Learner. But it takes discipline, disciple, to be a learner. Because why? Because you got to discipline yourself and tell yourself, shut up, just learn. So you got to read it with the grain. Too many people are reading it against the grain. It messes them up. Don't do it. And here's the other thing. As you consider God's word on a daily basis, I want you to stop. Here's going to be, sounds like heresy, but listen to me. I want you to stop studying the Bible all the time. And I want you to read in such a way that you let the Bible study you. See, if I'm going to study the Bible, I'm going to find out what it's saying and then process it. No, stop. The Word of God, Hebrews 4.12, is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, able to distinguish or divide asunder between thoughts and intentions. Thoughts and intentions talks about your mind, mind, your heart, bones and marrow, for nothing is hidden, but all things are open and laid bare before him with whom we have to do. It is the word of God that will tell you the difference and help you to renew your mind. Why? Here it is. Watch this. Let the Bible study you. I watch how God thinks. 
And I read that, and I think, whew, Lord, I don't think like you think. You say forgive, I say kill him. <laughs> I say get, you say give. I say live, you say die. I say lead, you say serve. Lord, I don't think like you think, but would you renew my mind to start to think like you think? I'm ready to learn. Change my mind and change my heart. And in the Hebrew and the Greek thought, heart and mind was very closely linked because the heart of man is the choice and the guts of man that tells their brain's image if it's good, bad, legalistic, grace-filled. It's the ability to discern and have insight and forethought. Pretty amazing. But it all lies here. And I need the wisdom to be able to make those decisions. So how do I do that? The Word of God. Oh, God. Proverbs 22. A wise man sees the evil and circumvents, sees the consequences, and adjusts his life. But a foolish man just proceeds and pays the penalty. God, I don't think like you think. I need to think like you think. And I've done this before. God, would you let your word just change my mind? <laughs> Repattern the way I think, oh God. And I've done that. And the more you read and change your mind or repent, you start to think more like God as you start to see more like God. And you see things the way he sees them. And you start reading with the grain rather than against the grain because that's a matter of the heart, not a matter of the scriptures. You see? And then God begins to renew the spirit of your mind. So then your colors change, and it becomes the colors that God wants you to have. And then you say, ah, that's it. And you become more like God, transformed into his likeness. But it's a choice you make on how to see things. The first is, please consider his word. But here's another thing that's kind of cool, and that is, consider the heavens. Uh, the scripture does say that, you know, in, in Psalm 8. It says, consider the heavens and the work of his hands. You know what God did to show you so that you'll, your mind will expand a little? To show you the magnitude of God and the magnificence of his love, he wraps you with the heavens and the constellation that's there every day. But we probably haven't even seen that for months because we get too oblivious to that and what's happening on earth. God says in, in the book of Psalms chapter 8, he says, O Lord, our Lord, the psalmist says, how excellent is your name in all the earth. And then he speaks, and your glory above the heavens. Verses 3 and 4 is going to say, and consider, in fact, let's read this together, go. When I consider the heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and stars which you have ordained, what is man that you should take thought of him? Now, he says that how excellent is your name in all of the earth, right? This little earth. And your glory above the heavens. Like, what's beyond let me kind of draw some stuff for you here. Say, let's say this is the sun right here in our universe. And the earth is like right there. That's it. 
Now, we're 93 million miles away from the sun. Now, to the nearest star, Alpha Centauri, if I said that 93 million miles is about the width of this paper, this were 93 million miles, how, and that's the, the distance between the earth and sun, how big should the stack of paper be before we reach Alpha Centauri? Well, to see the difference in the spaciousness of the universe, I would have to have a stack of paper 71 feet tall to show you the difference. And to get to the edge of the Milky Way, which this is this little place that we're in right here, to get to the edge of that Milky Way, that 71 feet of paper has to go up to 300 miles of paper. That's just to the edge of the Milky Way. Now, to get to the edge of the universe, that stack of paper has to be 30 million miles high. That's how vast this is. What's beyond that? The glory of God. In other words, he says here in Psalm 8, and your glory is above the heavens. God is bigger than what we can fathom with the Hubble telescope. God is far greater. So he says, consider the heavens because you'll see the magnitude of God. And then it says this, put that scripture back up, and it says now, consider when I consider the heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, which means put in place and start rotating, what is man? It's like here you are right there. What is man that you should consider him? You got all of this and you're beyond that. And why do you even think of on that little earth? He uses the universe so that we can see not only the magnitude of who he is, but I want you to see the magnitude of his love for If I took the sun here and I hollowed it out, it's so big that it would hold 1.3 million earths. How big the sun is. But that's nothing compared to if I took another star over here called Antares and I hollowed Antares out, it would actually hold 64 million suns. Oh, but that's nothing compared to Epsilon. Epsilon is over here, and that would hold 100 million Antares. And God cares about... <laughs> he moves... Oh, just think of the, the power, the horsepower, to move all of these stars and bodies and in perfect rotation to the point where astronomers can predict the next eclipse in 25 years. Why? Because of the precision of the cosmic order that God has ordained or managed or systematized is the word, and he does that with his fingers. Oh, you're going a little further out? Okay, right there. Okay, woo, good. 
He does that with his fingers. Who is man that you should even consider him? Now, just think of the amount of horsepower it takes to move that amount. And you know what? It's incalculable. But the psalmist says, the psalmist says that for God, it's so super easy, he does it with his fingers. What is man that you should even worry about him? But all of this is done because of you and me so that we can live and breathe and have time to receive the Redeemer and the Creator. He does all of this to show us the magnitude of his love. Let me tell you how wicked man is. And I wonder why do you, and the psalmist did too, why do you even consider us? Because I love you. For God's soul, love the world. Let's say a guy breaks into my house, bang, and says to my wife, I am going to tor torture you and beat you. And I come into the back door, stop, stop. If you want to beat somebody and torture somebody, torture me, not her. I love her. Do it to me. And so the guy goes, all right, and just start taking a baseball bat, and bang, bang, beats me to a pulp till I'm just nearly un unconscious and tortures and tortures and tortures me. And when I'm hanging there, bleeding about dead, my wife looks at me and then looks at the torturer, and she runs off with the torturer. <laughs> and I'm going, what? Now, instead of telling her off, when I get well and healed up, I pray for her safety. And even when she's going out down the road with, in the car with that guy, arm in arm, I pray for her return. And I still love her. You see, later on she's going to come back. Uh, but, I, <laughs> but I can't tell you the end of the story because... But... You see, that's what we did with Jesus. When sin and the enemy came and said, wages of sin is death. And so I will kill you and I will torture you first. And the Lord said, no, I love them too much. You torture me. And even in the midst of the torturing, he said to the crowd, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. And then after the crucifixion, we run off with the world that tortured him. And yet he still loves us. What is man that you would even think of him? I love him. I want you to see the glory and the love of God as you consider the heavens, because it'll change your mind, and you'll see things differently. But you have to see the word. You have to see who he is and that's why he says, just consider the heavens and see that the creator of the universe uses the universe to, to somehow explain to you his magnitude and his love. You say, Wayne, if the psalmist says that he does all of that with his fingers, if he uses arms, wow, what could he do? So I ask you, if he could do that with his fingers, what did he do with his arms? He stretched them out on a cross and let mankind drive spikes through them. 
and he hung there for you and me. You know what the Bible is saying? Listen very carefully. The work of creation, that he works with his fingers, the work of creation is child's play compared to the work of redemption that God did for you and me. That's how much he loves us. And when you begin to fathom that from the word of God, there is not a reason in the universe that would cause me to reject his love for for you and me. He showed that on the cross when God put his arms out and was crucified for you and me, even when we ran off with the torturer. But it's days like this when people raise their hand to receive Christ that the bride comes back and realizes that the love that the Redeemer has, that even though he created the universe, it's nothing compared to the redemption of you and me. And that's what Easter's all about. That's what Good Friday's all about. And if you catch that, it will change your universe and the way you think. If you've never received Christ, please do so today. All it is is a raise of a hand to say, Lord, I know that you're not a, not a forceful person, that you'll barge yourself into my life, but you'll wait for me to give you permission so that you can begin to come in and change the way I see things so that I can begin to see like God sees. That's the God that I want to know. So if you've never received Christ, please let him in today. It'll be the most eternal decision you'll ever have made. Would you bow your heads with me? If you're here and you've never received Christ, please do so. If that's you, would you raise a hand right now? And in doing so, you're saying, yes, I give you permission. Come and change my heart. If that's you, yep, okay, yep, raise your hands. Yep, okay, yep, in the back. Yeah, you too, yep, three of you. Anybody else? Just, yep, you too. God bless you. All right, you too as well. Yep, yep, okay. There's going to be some yes packets out back. Pastor Bernie's going to come up and close the service, but please get a yes packet because in it is the material you'll need that'll help you so much in your first few steps with Jesus. And it'll change your life. It'll change the way you see everything. It'll change your world and your universe. Thank you for listening to Lompoc Foursquare Church's podcast. To find out more about Lompoc Foursquare Church or to watch us live online, please visit mylfc.com.